Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. A hold of your neighbor and shake him a little bit. Make sure everybody's starting this journey awake. Amen. Cast off the slumber. Amen. And depression. Amen. Hallelujah. Job chapter 23. Want to read verse 3 and then I'll be skipping to verse number 8. Job 3, verse number 3. The Bible says, here is Job. He says, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Verse 8, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as goad. Tonight I'd like to take my text from that last verse, the first phrase, verse number, of verse number 10. I want to preach to us tonight. He knows the way I take. He knows the way that I take. If you'll help me right now in prayer that God would help us this evening. Father, God, I love you, Jesus, tonight. I pray, oh God, open up our mind of our understanding. I pray, oh Lord, for your spirit. God, that same spirit, Lord, that raised you from the dead, that it would blow, Lord Jesus, in this place. God, in the next few moments, through and by God, that word, that holy and errant word of God that's able, Lord, to heal, that's able, Lord, to deliver, that's able, Lord Jesus, to help and secure. I pray, Jesus, tonight, God, touch, Lord, the listeners, Lord, that are setting before me. Strengthen them tonight, God. Lord, they cast off every oppressive and depressive spirit, God, that would overcome them. I pray, Jesus, in this house, God, that they would be at liberty, Lord, in your spirit and by your power. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, that I pray, amen and amen to the church, say amen. amen. Amen, you may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. As a child growing up, there were several ways that we as children occupied ourselves, quite different perhaps than what kids occupy themselves today, although there may be some similar things. As a kid growing up, I remember a lot of time spent outside whenever the weather permitted it and screaming for it, even the moments that it didn't permit it. Asking mom if we could just stand on the porch when it was raining and lightning. She says, as long as you don't get struck. <laughs> and just spending our days out there catching water and buckets and stuff that would come off the awning. As kids, we had quite a very extensive neighborhood of, of neighborhood kids. And we'd have wiffle ball tournaments in our backyard. We would spend many a summer days, day after day, just playing wiffle ball. Uh, household next door was uh, not always uh, kept or someone always lived there and the grass sometimes got pretty high about knee deep and have that lawn and get it mowed or somebody would mow it and that grass would just sit there in the lawn for a while till it turned brown and all that was to us as kids was material for making some floor plans back on the 
grass, we call, uh, grass houses as we would call it and we would put rooms and put bathrooms out there and make lines with them and we would just play house there in our, our grass houses and probably like some kids still today, we rode our bikes and uh, we had a couple of trees in particular in our yard. One was a, whipping, uh, a weeping willow and there was another one and I would, what I would call, in my estimation, build tree houses in those. And what that composed of was just a basically a, a piece of plywood that dad had laying around and I'd scurry through the old mason jars and find some roofing nails and nail those pieces of board and forks of trees and those trees before we ever left I think were dead and I think I had a lot to do with that building those tree houses and all those roofing nails. I Always this tension that took place between the, the, the hiders and the seeker. Because the hiders didn't want the seeker to count too fast. You know, because if you counted 25 and you got there too fast, you're going to have to go to 50 next time or maybe even 100. And we'd count one, two, skip a few 100 and do that type of stuff. And, 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 and the, 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 the hiders also, though, didn't want uh, the seeker to be in any position where he could peek through his fingers that as you were leaving could see your trail wear off where you were heading or where you were going. So there was always this tension between the hiders and the seeker. Amen. Uh, the, the, the seekers, though, they had a, a little problem too. They, they wanted people to hide, yes, but they didn't want them to hide so well and in such a difficult spot that they couldn't be found. That, that, that's no fun for a seeker either. I mean, because usually if nobody was found... And we say, come, uh, come on, you know, everybody just show yourselves. I don't know where anybody's at. Then you had to be the seeker again. And so, so that's never fun to be the seeker back to back. And so the success of the whole game hinged upon the idea that the hiders would be hid well enough, but not so much that the seeker would find you right away, but the seeker would eventually at least find somebody. Amen. And so the unique role of the seeker then is as they walked around searching, they knew without doubt that there were other players somewhere in the vicinity that they had set. They just didn't know where. And the unique role of the, the hider was they knew what their location was and many times they knew the location of the seeker. As a matter of fact, some hiders just couldn't take it. They're sitting over there hid in the best spot of best spots and they see the seeker go by and since they know where they are and they know where the seeker is, that just kind of struck them a little bit hilarious. And there's these little giggles and this little laughing that takes place that then just would reveal where the hider was at. But there's just something that overtook them just knowing that they knew where they were and they also knew that the seeker just went right past the spot where they were hiding. And so what we would have called back then a good game of hide and seek would be when the seeker found a hider. Well, folks, those are not the rules that Job is playing by in his book. At the loss of seven sons and three daughters, 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and five hundred yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys and his wife comes to him somewhat distressed over the calamity that had entered their life. She says unto him, Job, in so many words, your family is gone, your wealth is gone, 
Your, your, your health is gone. She says, why, why, why don't you just go on? Are you going to retain your integrity? Why don't you just go on and curse God and die? And Job's basic plea to her was curse God. Well, whether, it's, whether he's being evil to me or whether he's being good to me, right now God is all that I have left. Curse God. And I hear the voice of his wife saying, well, if God is all that you have left, then where is your God? And Job says, lo, he goeth by me and I see him not. He passeth on, but I perceive him not. He said in our verses, he said, I went forward, but he wasn't there. He said, I went backward, but I cannot perceive God. He said, I went on the left where God normally works and is active. He said, but I cannot behold him. And on the right, he hideth, and I cannot see him. He says, I don't know where God is at. I don't know where he is in the middle of all of this. But unlike hide and seek tonight, the objective of the game was not God, was not Job trying to find God. Job stated it well. I don't know where God is, but he knows the way that I take. In other words, it, this isn't about me knowing where God's at. This isn't about me finding God. What this is about is this. I don't know where God is, but God knows where I'm at. God knows where I'm at. Someone say amen. I think sometimes we try to adopt the rules of hide and seek for our relationship with God and we get somewhat a little disappointed and a little bit frustrated sometimes because God at times seems to play the role of the hider and we can't perceive him and we don't know where he is. He seems to be well hid and we're seeking up and down and it seems like we've had back to back, if you will, scenarios of trying to find God. But this is not a hide and seek scenario in our relationship with God. It doesn't matter if you know where he is. It doesn't matter if you see his activity on your left hand or on your right hand. But what you need to grow in confidence and knowing and trusting is this is that when I can't etch the fingerprints of God or see the footprints of God, I know that God is able to know where I am. Job said, my own friends, they do not understand the way that I'm taking. My old friends, my friends do not even understand the way that I am handling myself and conducting myself. I have even become strange unto my own friends. They have mislabeled me. They have called me a hypocrite. They do not even understand my way. But that doesn't matter if my friends understand my way or my path or who I am or what I'm going through. I don't have to have their nor do I have to succumb to their disapproval as long as he knows. We rise and fall off times on the approval or the disapproval of others in our life and we allow that to dictate to us. We allow that to squander us. We allow that to somehow cause our footsteps to go in a misstep direction. But that's not what you need to be concerned with. If I can say on this Sunday night, we don't need to be concerned with the diagnosis or the prognosis. We don't have to be concerned with any of those things or our not knowing or lack of knowledge of God. If 
God knows where you are. You do not need to fear. You do not need to fret. You do not need to be dismayed as long as God knows the way that you take. Someone say amen. Yes. The Bible says in Mark 6 that there is a time that the Lord and the disciples are together. But the Bible says that the Lord sent the disciples onward on a journey across the lake to the other side. And when he had done that and everybody had departed, he went up to a mountaintop to kneel down and to pray and pour out his soul and pour out his spirit unto the Lord. The Bible says they're not very far in their journey that there comes a wind that is contrary to them. There comes a storm and the waves are rising and the waves are falling and the Bible says here they are in the midst of all this. Amen. Yet God is still alone if you will. Christ is still alone on the land on the mountaintop and the Bible says from his perspective He's seen those disciples that he had sent over to the other side. The Bible says he saw them toiling in their rowing because the wind was contrary to them. He's seen them in their problem. He's seen them in their anguish. He's seen them in their pain. But they're so absorbed about the contrary wind and the waves that are rising and falling. There's no indication in Scripture they have any recognition of God or where God is. They're probably even thinking, Why did he send us in this direction without coming with us? Didn't he know all this was going to befall us? Did he know all this was going to take place? But God on a gnarly hill somewhere in prayer, while they could not see God, God had already had his eye upon them. Someone say yes. He saw them toiling in their rowing. They might not have discerned him or his presence or his whereabouts, but he knew the way that they took. Listen to me. He knew the way they took because that's the way that he pointed them in. How is it we become fretful about God knowing our whereabouts when God pointed us in the direction of our journey? What's the first thing you're going to do when you know someone has left your house, went to a certain destination, and they always travel the same path? What's the first thing you're going to do when you haven't heard from them? And you know, I know modern day cell phones, but none of that stuff works, and you can't, you you don't know, you haven't heard from them. What are you going to do? You're going to travel the path that they. So how are we wringing our hands about God knowing where we are when he's the one that set us on our path, when he's the one that set us on our way? God knew the way that they took because that's the way that he prescribed for their path. He knows the way that I take. Humanity. That's what we do. But Job says, you can look before you, behind you, on side to side and not know where he is and yet he can still know the way that you take someone say amen Amen. 
he can steal no the way that you take the Bible says that he came then walking there upon the waters they were they were terrified at seeing him they thought perhaps he was an apparition they thought perhaps that he was a ghost he told them to fear not it's I the Lord and he stepped into the boat and the moment that he got into the boat the Bible says there came a calm upon the water and the Bible says whenever he got on the boat and all this took place the scripture says in Mark 6 that they were all amazed concerning what took place and happened can I just put in a little interjection here tonight I don't believe that they were just amazed that whenever he stepped on the boat everything became calm but I think they were also amazed that he knew exactly where they were even when they were unsure of where he was He knows the way that we take. Luke 24. Two disciples on their way, on the road, the Bible says to Emmaus. They are somewhat overtaken by the events of their day. Two boys on their way to Emmaus, they're disconcerted about the events of just the past few days. The one that they had deemed their savior, the one that they had deemed their king, has been tried. He's been tried and he's been falsely accused in the governor's court to die a convict's death. And here they are somewhat just, just confused and overwhelmed by the happenings of their hours. He had and already was, Christ had and already was entombed. He had met that death, he had suffered on the tree, and here they were hopeful, hopeful because he was to be the redeemer, hopeful because he was gonna be the one to save them, but all that they could produce at this time on the third day is an empty tomb. On the third day. Not willing perhaps to take the Lord at his word. These two are just a little bit frustrated because through several different people's visit now to the tomb where he had been laid, all they come back is with the validity and the verification that the tomb is indeed empty. In other words, they went to where he was and the body is not there. They went to where they last knew the Lord, amen, but the body is not found. The Bible says these two boys said there were some that were even with us that went and checked on the tomb. And whenever they came back, they said they saw him not. In other words, what they had on their hands was a dilemma of not knowing where he was. Someone say amen. So their concern and their perplexity wasn't so much that he wasn't where he was, but that they don't know where he's at. God, if I, if I went back and it was still there, that'd been great. If I'd went back and you hadn't been in the tomb and you'd been standing outside the door of the tomb, that'd been great. But the problem we got on our hands, that's where you was at and now we don't know where you're at. And so we're a little perplexed in our spirit because we don't know where you're at. And so why these two boys are walking on the road to Emmaus, they're discussing the events of the past few days. They're discussing this perplexing idea that where God once was, he is not at anymore and nobody seems to know. 
nobody seems to know where he is and as they're talking about this the Bible says Jesus Christ comes and joins their company amen but he is not known of them they don't recognize who this is they don't know who this is they're not discerning this man that has joined their trip and company now as Jesus Christ amen still in their minds they're doubtful about where Christ is still in their minds they're wondering there's disputations in their minds and their hearts they're uncertain about where the presence and the whereabouts of God is but finally whenever they're about ready to settle down and Christ the Bible says would have went a little further they constrained him to eat with them and join company with them and the Bible says that he was known his identity was known his presence his whereabouts was known whenever he broke bread with them but folks can I tell you they were amazed their eyes were open they were overjoyed whenever they saw him but I'm here to tell you as a preacher tonight that the climax of that story is not when they knew where he was the climax of that story is when he found them where they were at and the climax of our stories tonight is not whenever we understand his presence is there or over there or right now my situation the climax of our stories is when God comes to where we are and we don't know it but he knows the way that we're taking Clap your hands to the Lord right now. Because again, in my humanity, God surely can't know where I'm at or what I'm contending with unless I know where he's at and what he's doing. This isn't hide and seek. This is hide and seek reversal. This is hide and be sought or something. This is, and I, I'm not trying to portray it to the generality of a hide and seek story, but this is the giddy kid that's in a good place that no one knows where he's at. But as the seeker passes by, is a little overwhelmed with the idea that they know where they're at and they know where the seeker is. You know, some kids just can never get it right. They, never, they, 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 they always lose. You know why? Because they can't keep their mouth shut about where they're at. Let me tell you something. God is not a good hide-and-seek player because although you may go months and even years at times not knowing where he is, he always flubs up and sooner or later reveals where he's at. And whenever he reveals where he's at, no assurity, he already knew where you was before he showed you where he was. Because he knows the way that we take. If his eye is on the sparrow and he knows the number of hairs that are upon our head, he knows the way that you all take. Someone say amen. <clears throat> now, here is the dunceness, if that's such a word, of humanity. Elisha is following very close to Elijah. 
Elijah's anointed of God. Miracles by the number God has accomplished through him. Mantle of anointing and powers upon his life. He's got this Elisha counterpart that's following him here and there and yonder. Everywhere he goes, the word has been spoken. Elisha, if you see me whenever I leave, whenever I go, you have a double portion of my spirit be upon you. Elisha's staying very close to Elijah. He witnesses with his own eyes. They come to the Jordan River. Impassable. Cannot be accomplished or done. He sees the old prophet take his mantle, smite the water, and roll back on the right hand, roll back on the left hand, and they walk across. And Elisha knows unequivocally that's the hand of God. God just showed up right here. I don't, have to, I don't need to know God's address or zip code right now. I know where it's at. It's the Jordan River. It's the Jordan River. But Elijah, those chariots and horses of fire and that wind of whirl, whirlwind, if you will, came around and took master away. That mantle drops. Elisha grabs that. And he's making his way in a backward direction in the way that they had come. And that brings his feet to the brim of the Jordan River again. And he has a question on his lips. Where's the God of Elijah? I got the mantle. By faith, I believe I got the double portion of his spirit. But where are you, God? Perhaps with a little sense of trepidation, Elisha approaches those Jordan waters, unsure maybe of himself. I've been kind of a latchkey kid around here with Elijah going where he went, did what he did, just kind of been following me here and there. And right now, I know I got the mantle, and it seems like I have an anointing on my life, but I don't know where God's at. Where's the God of Elisha? Yet while those words, or Elijah rather, while those words were falling off the lips of Elisha, here's God over here in what to Elisha seemed like obscurity. To Elisha seemed like a place unknown. Here's God in his giddy self thinking, boy, I know exactly where you're at. As a matter of fact, for that, for that matter, the place where you're at is where you've been before. I preach tonight, God knows the way that you take, and God knows if you're passing by a way a second time. 
I said, God knows the way that you've taken and he knows if you're passing by a way a second time. You say, I've dealt with sickness or I've dealt with, I've dealt with a cancer prognosis before and here I am again. The Lord knows the way that you take. You might have been there before, but God knows it when you're there again. You're saying, I don't have no money for the bills on the table and here I am again. Where are you, God? God knew where you were before and God knows where you are right now. You're at the same place where you was before and God knows it. Someone say yes. Job further explained this position of God. He says, God, his eyes are upon the ways of men. God, he seeth all of his goings. God, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and beholding the good. God's eyes are everywhere. Do you know what happens? Do you know what happens with our conscience? Do you know what happens in our minds whenever we're questioning about where God is? It's the enemy of our soul that has planted little seed thoughts into our mind. Because I read some scriptures this afternoon, multiple of scriptures, that whenever men or a man or a woman was questioning where God was, many times it was because the heathen that were around them were initiating the question, where is your God? Someone say amen. David, he was talking about, he said, man, ah, my tears, my sorrow, my crying, it's been my meat. He said, this is what I've been eating day and night. Sorrow, dismay, despair. This has been my meat day and night. And all the while, those of the wicked, those antagonists of my soul are asking me, where is your God? And see, I'm there with my hands down. If I say it like this, I'm there in a very embarrassing position because I can't retort and tell them where he is. He says, and my sorrow's been my meat day and night, and I've been dealing with this. He tells the man, I'm telling you, my enemies have, have reproached me daily, day after day after day, saying, where is your God? Tell me it's never happened. Well, if you're, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God like you are, then why aren't things going better then? Brother Fred at the business. Huh? Sister Margaret, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God like you say are, why have you stood at the, at, at, at the graveside of some of your children that's passed on before you? Why? Where's your God? Sister Dix, if you're dealing with all the calamity and woe of life and that's coming against you and overpowering you, you came to be a Christian and a child of God. Why is all that happening? Where's your God? And the heathen rage and the antagonist of your soul rages. And it comes to the Johnson's family. Man, you've had more surgeries in your whole family. About all, every single one of you had your appendix out. Josh had surgery and then this little guy had surgery and all this different stuff went on. What are the, what's going on? If you're supposed to be serving God and close to God, where is your God? The antagonist of your soul speaking those things to you. And then as he speaks them, you become convinced in your own mind. You know what? That's a pretty good question. Where is my God? Where is his whereabouts? I look all around me and where I'm at right now, he doesn't seem to be doing anything about where I'm at. He doesn't seem to be doing anything about the calamity that's all around me. 
The Bible even spoke in Micah 7, 10. He said that she that is my enemy has said unto me. Look, he said, he just called it out straight. She that is my enemy has said unto me, where is your God? And then you know what the Lord says then in Micah? Malachi, rather, 2, 17. He says, folks, you have wearied. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How so? He says, you wearied the Lord with your words when you say, where is God? Because the heathen are raging. My circumstance is not changing. My dilemma is the same. I have more trouble than what the wicked have. And yet I'm supposed to be serving the God of the universe that has power over death, hell and the grave, that has all power in heaven and earth. And people are asking me, where's my God? And my answer back to them is, I don't know. Now that's not when you want to have an answer about your God when you can say, I don't know where he is. You know what? I, I haven't felt him in a while. I've not seen anything profitable come about and along my path in a while. I don't know where my God is. And so the antagonist throws that in our spirits and in our minds in front of our faces. Well, if you don't know where your God is, then what good is your God? But Job understood it well. He had the best answer for the antagonist. He had the best answer for the adversary and for the enemies of his soul. You go on and ask me about where my God is and my reply will be the same as every other individual that's been in the path that I've been in I don't know where my God is but my God knows where I am at my God the answer to your question is immaterial the question is does my God know where I'm where I'm at he knows the way that I take Let me tell you something concerning this way. Let me tell you something concerning this way. The Bible tells me that I know that the way of man is not in himself. Let me tell you, there's times I don't even understand my own way. There's times I don't even understand my own path. That it's not in man to walketh, amen, to direct his steps. There's sometimes I don't understand my own way or my own path. And I know sometimes the Bible tells us that the goings of a man are of the Lord. And so then how can a man understand his own way? I don't understand all the peaks and the valleys. I don't understand all the hardships and circumstances. I don't understand while it does well for the wicked and does poorly, if you will, for those that are true and are children of God. I don't understand my own way sometimes. But I join the voice of Job that says I don't have to understand about where God is. Amen. But though he slay me, I will trust him. I'm going to trust in knowing that whenever I don't understand my own way, he still knows my way. He still knows where I am. He still knows. Someone say yes. Someone say glory. glory. <laughs> Woo. So what I've come here to debunk this evening is this. You may be dealing 
with the difficulty of not knowing the whereabouts of your God right now. And you're in seeker mode. And you're kind of in that place. You know if I don't find him, I'm going to have to do this back to back. Had a few of those rodeos, haven't you? Remember, God's not a good player. He sees sister so-and-so go by wringing her hands. He's like, I can hardly contain myself. This is great. She's worried, but I'm confident. She's wondering how it's going to turn out. And I already got it turning out. She thinks I'm on a journey somewhere or that I'm asleep. But I'm not like the false gods of Baal and Ashtoreth. You don't have to wake me up. I'm alert, honey. She don't know where I am. But I'm watching her every move. I know her mood and her personality. I've seen every sleepless night. And I can't hardly contain myself. And you know what God does as a bad player? In the middle of her woe, he comes out from hiding. And she's astounded. What do you know? There's God. He said, yeah, I knew where you was all the time. You know how many times you passed by me? You know how many times I've seen your tears? Do you know how many times you were asking why? And I was wanting to just step forward and say, here I am. He knows the way that I take. He knows. He knows. He knows. Oh, let's clap our hands. Let's worship him. I feel the presence of God. I hear the foot, footfall of the master. My God, he's just giddy. He's giddy right now. He just wanting to bust out from where he is. Hey, man, just to reassure somebody. Hallelujah, here I am. I know. I know. The way that you take So please take trust, take confidence, and don't doubt for a moment. Because the moment you don't feel him, he still sees you. The moment that you can't point at something in your life and say, see, look at there, that's the handiwork of God, he knows where you're at.
when you had the countless times you leave service and you say, you know what? I was there, but that's basically all it was. I really didn't feel anything. I really can't tell you I had any divine supernatural experience that happened to me. He knew where you was. And so as a church and as individuals, we got to stop equating this business that if I don't know where he is, he don't know where I'm at. If I can't feel, if I can't feel him, then he can't touch me. You'll stand for me. I already went longer than what I anticipated to go. He knows. He knows. He knows. Job, I didn't miss the house falling on your seven da- your seven sons and three daughters. Job, I didn't miss the taking of the 7,000 sheep and the 3,000 camels. I didn't miss the 500 yoke of oxen that you lost. I didn't, miss, I didn't miss the 500 donkeys that you lost. didn't miss that. I didn't miss the words of your friends that were calling you a hypocrite and misunderstood. I didn't miss any of that. Just because you didn't perceive me. Just because you couldn't touch me. Just because you couldn't witness me with your eyes or your feelings. Does not mean I did not know the way that you were taken. We bow our heads all across this building tonight. We open this altar here tonight for some people that may be questioning the whereabouts of God. Perhaps the antagonist of your soul, the enemy has been planting in your mind that ever popular question, where is your God? middle of your mayhem in the middle of your trial where is where is this God that you say is all powerful almighty and dominant and domineering God where where is he and his words in our ears becomes the words on our mouths yeah God where where are you where are you where are you and we start on our frenzied search for God when all the while his eyes not left our path. His eye has not left our journey. And in some instances, his eye has not left the path that he set us on to begin with. He knows the way that you take. This altar's here tonight for somebody that's been in that battle. The saying, God, I don't know where you're at. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.